1: Welcome to Occupy Health, this is Dr. Susan. One of the main health concerns we have nowadays is this virus, COVID. I mean, so many people are scared and they're terrified and there's a lot of fear porn. I mean, what can we do to be safe? What is going on? I mean, people are losing their jobs, although the Supreme Court just ruled that the uh, government cannot mandate for the private corporations, So hopefully people will get their jobs. Back. So anyway, let's find out more about COVID. What do we need to know and how can we be safe? So today we have an expert, Dr. Henry Ely. He's the founder of the Executive Community Director for the Energetic Health Institute. He has a doctorate in naturopathic medicine from SCNM, a bachelor of science in mechanical engineering from UCLA, and is a board certified in holistic nutrition by the NANP and a proud Jackie Robinson scholarship alumnus. He has over 20 years of teaching and clinical experience in helping people care for their amazing body by unlocking the healing potential of natural medicines. He hosts a weekly nationwide program, Energetic Health Radio, and is a regular writer on the American Out Loud network detailing the latest empirical evidence and research regarding what's going on with the current virus. You can listen to and read his volunteer effort on his America Out Loud team page. He's executive producer for COVIDCon21 and a lead author for a COVID research team has published five manuscripts, including the peer-reviewed and highly acclaimed COVID-19 data collection, comorbidity, federal law, and a historical retrospective, and 444-page peer-reviewed position statement on the willful misconduct of COVID-19 restoring public trust during a public health crisis. His teamwork has been covered by various experts, including Dr. McCullough, Green Med Info, U.S. Today, Stand for Health Freedom, the Organic Consumers Association, and many highly respected news outlets. Uh, his team is first to submit the formal grand jury petitions exposing the various acts and alleged willful misconduct and a call for congressional investigations in the CDC violations of multiple federal laws. As an ordained minister for all denominations, he's been additionally certified as a yoga teacher, clinical massage therapist, human anatomy, physiology, and, you know, he's also an American Kenpo teacher. He's taught at the university graduate and undergraduate level, has a strong background and deep compassion for data verification and analysis. Let's get real information and find out what's going on from a scientific background. He's done teaching, personal development, curricular design, American history, herbalism, traditional Chinese medicine, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine, meditation, clinical massage therapy, lab testing and assessment. He's also the author of Energetic Health and Interesting Insights into Advanced Medicine and holds educational copyrights of over 200 published works, including natural medicine, vaccine education, medical cannabis, cellular cleansing and detoxification, release point therapy and clinical massage and holistic nutrition. Welcome. That's quite a resume.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's embarrassing listening to it. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a super nerd. Thanks for having me today.
1: Well, you know, people want to know about COVID. So, what? What? Tell us more about COVID. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, people are terrified, and I don't think they're coming from love or compassion. The government—it's mm-hmm. uh, not clear they're listening to the science. So, tell me what's really going on that readers would like to know.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that, uh, Susan. You know. Um, the government is listening to the science they make up. They're not listening to science or practicing scientific method, which is to correct course in the presence of new information. I mean, we're all scientists. You know, if you're in medicine on some level, you're some level of scientist. And I think the key is that we, if we're going to be objective, we have to be willing to change our point of view in the presence of new information. Well, we have excessive amounts of information that clearly demonstrate that these um, experimental COVID inoculations have failed to protect Americans from getting infected, failed to protect Americans from um, being hospitalized, failed to protect Americans from dying, and at the same time have injured Americans. These are the only experimental products. These are only products ever released to the American people from a medical perspective that have the dubious distinction of injuring more than a million people in a single year and simultaneously failing to protect several million people in that same year, how they have remained on the market is beyond me, but it definitely reeks of corruption. It reeks of of profiteering and it certainly is not scientific. The, the things that they are following to justify this program still being in existence. It should be terminated. It should have been terminated in January of 2021, but it should be terminated right now and immediately because it's disastrous. And we have the data to prove it. And I'm happy to share that data with you and your audience. So one of the things we did, Susan, was um, on October 30th, the CDC stopped reporting all vaccine breakthrough cases. Now vaccine breakthrough um, means you know, it's essentially something that was re-termed. Uh, it was originally called vaccine failure, right? But that term wouldn't have worked in the media and everything. So they renamed it for these experimental COVID shots. They renamed it vaccine breakthrough. Now, vaccine breakthrough, uh, the CDC stopped reporting on the cases, as many remember, in uh, April, on April 30th of 2021. But they stopped reporting on vaccine breakthrough hospitalizations and deaths and and all breakthrough entirely by uh, October 30th of 2021. So when we saw that, we said, we better start going down to the state health department level and looking at how much um, breakthrough has has been confirmed by various states. And what we found was shocking. In November, we had found that there were 1.4 million confirmed breakthrough cases. So that's evidence of failure. Um, And we found that there were over 56,000 reports of breakthrough hospitalizations, and breakthroughs for everybody that is listening. These are people who are deemed fully inoculated. Um, They've received both shots of Pfizer, both shots of Moderna, or one shot of Johnson & Johnson, and it's been 14 days since their last shot, and they test positive using PCR, and the cycle threshold value is below 28 to make sure that false positives are deemphasized. So this is a very very specific rules developed on what would constitute a breakthrough case, hospitalization, or death. November, we know there's 1.4 million cases. We know um, there's 56,000 hospitalizations. We know there's 16,000 breakthrough deaths. But what was astounding to me was when we tracked it, we tracked this data on a monthly basis. So when we tracked this data in December to see how much it had picked up, um, It had gone, cases rose by over 1.1 million confirmed cases from November to December in just one month. Went from 1.4 million to 2.5, just under 2.6 million cases. Hospitalizations rose by over 33,000 cases in just one month, from 56,000 to over 90,000. And breakthrough deaths rose from 16,000 to over 24,000, almost 25,000 in just one month. So we knew the CDC was going to have a problem with this. And to make matters worse, Susan, this is uh, with only 31 out of 51 U.S. health departments reporting. There's still 20 health departments, 20 states that are not tracking actively and publishing on this data. So when we saw all this, it let us know that these. Experimental shots are failing. They're failing to protect. And this is where we're seeing a lot of people publishing on what's called negative efficacy, meaning that when you get the shot, you're more likely now to get infected by Omicron and be hospitalized than a person who has is really, truly vaccine-free, a person who's never gotten any shots like myself.
1: But I'm confused. Why are all the news media saying this is deadly, they're taking up the hospital mm-hmm. beds, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, this is serious, the unvaccinated, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. ev- like other people are s- supposed to wear sunscreen so that the person that's not vaccinated gets protected from the sun. I just don't get any. Right,
0: right. It, and it, 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 you're exactly right, and it's a great analogy, and it doesn't make any sense. So let me help try to make some sense of this. There are really, prior to January 5th of this year, There were really three different categories uh, that we should have been tracking. Fully vaccinated, partially vaccinated, and vaccine-free. But what the CDC did was they created an either-or designation. Either you were fully vaccinated or, by definition, you were unvaccinated. So what that allowed for was for them to take people who were partially vaccinated or people who had gotten both shots but it hadn't been 14 days and still count them as unvaccinated, which is fraudulent.
1: So you mean that that if somebody is 13 days after their final shot and they have some adverse effect, they're counted as unvaccinated?
0: If they test positive on PCR, yes, they're counted as unvaccinated and it's not looked at as necessarily an adverse event. Dependent upon the interpretation of the Well, if they
1: physician. have an adverse effect, say they have something serious happen to them, they're considered unvaccinated.
0: Um, by definition, they're considered unvaccinated, but because they've had an adverse event. See, this is this, this is the distinction. If you got the shot and you had an adverse event, that can, that can and is required by law under criminal penalty to be reported to the vaccine adverse events reporting system. However, when assessing for efficacy, because Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System is about looking at the safe side of this. Remember, you know, they say it's safe and effective, safe and effective, right? So the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System is about looking at safety data and safety signals. The breakthrough data is looking at efficacy signals. So we want to know how many people got the shot and still contracted COVID anyway, right? That's going to talk more to efficacy, So when we look at this, what the CDC did to confuse efficacy and the analysis of efficacy is they created a possibility, like you were alluding to, that a person could have a shot, partially vaccinated, could have both shots, and it just not be 14 days since the last shot. And that person would still be counted as unvaccinated in terms of the statistical analysis for efficacy, not necessarily safety but for efficacy. So what this data, breakthrough data is showing, Susan, is that there's, this has failed just through December. This has failed 2.6 million Americans, 2.5 to 2.6 million Americans. Um, and that, and that, that increase from November to December was 1.1 million. 1.1 million people were added as breakthrough cases from November to December. And that's without major states like Florida and Texas reporting um, their numbers. Florida and Texas aren't updating their numbers at all. Uh, and Florida hasn't reported breakthrough at all. So we know that this is an incomplete picture and the incomplete picture is still damning uh, regarding the efficacy. They keep saying only the vaccinated Uh, um uh, only the unvaccinated are being hospitalized well that's not an accurate statement because the unvaccinated includes the vaccine free it includes the people who are partially vaccinated and it includes the people who have been fully vaccinated but it hasn't been 14 days and on january 5th fauci and friends came out and made another designation it's called up to date so now you can't be evaluated for vaccine breakthrough, for efficacy of this product, unless you've been boosted as well, as of January 5th. And that was a decided um, maneuver on their part to create a new fraudulent statistical category so that they could simultaneously limit the number of breakthrough cases while also uh, promoting their false and fraudulent narrative that this isn't a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unhealthy, and it's a pandemic of the fraud that they have created statistically. That's what this is a pandemic of.
1: Yeah, I'd like to make an interjection here. Uh, I did a film, Something Ain't Right, and doctors have been censored uh, from treating. There have been a lot of viable treatments. There's like a Dr. Sherman and Dr. Zelenko who each treated 10,000 mm-hmm. patients and they had very good results. I've interviewed many doctors and they're all censored. Last April, uh, Canada, Australia, the U.S., the doctors got memos. If you prescribe things to help with COVID, you're going to lose your license. Recently, all the medical boards got together and any doctor that talks about treating COVID Mm will lose his license. This seems to be very orchestrated, but several of the experts, including uh, senators, said that had they not done this, we could have saved like 80 percent of the lives. And if we had saved 80 percent of the Mm -hmm. lives in 2020, we wouldn't have had the lockdowns. We wouldn't have the EUA and also have footage of Fauci and Bright saying how can we mandate vaccines? They take 10 years. And then they say, hmm, let's scare the crap out of them. Let's get a virus right. from China and put it in various cities. So some reason, Fauci uh, and Bright wanted to you know, mandate vaccines. Now, Bright is the same person when President Trump said get hydroxyquinine, one of the treatments that helps with COVID out, he sabotaged it. Also, Mm -hmm. they count deaths like from a motor vehicle accident or somebody with severe uh, cancer or something. They count those as COVID deaths. And so just Mm -hmm. something just ain't right here. We didn't even need the lockdowns. But every country in the world is doing this. And it's getting so extreme. For example, in Australia, it sounds like a prison. In Austria, everybody's being mandated. There's various Mm -hmm. cities Mm -hmm. in the U.S. that want to do this. What the F is going on?
0: Right. Well, we we published on this in in uh, October of 2020 our our first major peer reviewed paper. We showed conclusively that the CDC violated three federal laws: the Administrative Procedures Act, the Paperwork Reduction Act, and the uh, Information Quality Act um, to defraud the American people when it comes to death certificates. On March 24th, 2020, way back when, the CDC made a specific change to. Um, Death certificate reporting. What they did was they said um, if a person had comorbidities, uh, which we knew would be the high risk group for COVID, if a person had comorbidities and they died, that you could put those comorbidities in part two of the death certificate instead of part one where they have always been. What drives this uh, of the deaths is that 95% of all death certificates have had, on average, 4.0 comorbidities. But if you do a sleight of hand with the death certificate and you move those to Part 2 and you leave COVID-19 in Part 1, what you essentially do is create a fraud that says that everybody who we say on this death certificate died from COVID died from COVID. COVID was the cause and that's not how we've ever done death certificates at least since 2003 for all death processes. What we do is we list comorbidities in part one because comorbidities are considered the cause of death in these situations. The CDC knew that and they changed that in on March 24th, 2020, but the way they went about doing it was they did it without going through the proper channels, without notifying the federal register, So that there could be public comment and initiate federal oversight by the Office of Management and Budget in the in the uh, United States government. So they violated these key laws that established these rules to protect Americans from this type of data manipulation and data fraud. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing many people starting to ask finally the right question. How many of these supposed deaths were from COVID versus how many of them were with? But we have some answers for this. When we look at Alameda County, California, and Santa Clara County, California, we know that they did a um, partial audit of their death certificates records to remove the obvious um, death that shouldn't have been counted as COVID, the car accidents, the the person that falls off the ladder, the gunshot victim, stuff like that. And what they found upon a partial audit was a reduction in death count by 25% and 22% um, um, respectively. That's significant. A quarter of all of the deaths that two major counties in California were counting were not COVID at all. And now we fast forward to the last couple weeks and we've seen... The uh, New York Department of Health um, adjust their hospitalizations, and New Jersey adjust their hospitalizations. New York has come out um, just last week saying that uh, 43% of their hospitalizations uh, that they're calling COVID were not due to COVID. New Jersey, 49% of their um, hospitalizations they were calling COVID were not for COVID. And what that is, is that's a massive fraud, and that's a fraud that every media outlet promoted. It's a fraud that influenced and made Americans very scared, and it it, it flies in the face of the actual data and facts. And this is what we've been publishing on since 2020. This is uh, the subject of our grand jury, our call for a grand jury investigation that's currently being reviewed by the Department of Justice. What we have been saying since our peer-reviewed work has been published, is that these are decided acts of willful misconduct. You can't manipulate data like this. You can't manipulate in violation of multiple federal laws. And you can't use that weaponized data to influence public perception. That's exactly what those laws are in place to protect against. So to do so is an act of willful misconduct. And here's the rub on that. Willful misconduct Creates a breach. It creates a breach in the civil liability protections um, afforded the vaccine manufacturers um, by the PrEP Act and the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. You see, it is very true that you cannot sue the vaccine manufacturers for injuries incurred um, using their products. And they have two protections right now for these COVID experimental shots. But that protection is removed when we prove that these are acts of willful misconduct. Willful misconduct is the only thing legal concept that breaches those protections. So what we've been driving at this whole time is reviewing the major fraud, the major statistical frauds that have gone on, and those major statistical frauds are going to be in the death certificates, which we just talked about. It's also going to be in the cases, on case counts. Many people don't know that the CDC on April 14th, uh, 2020, outsourced uh, the definition for cases, for what constitutes a COVID case, to a little-known nonprofit organization, heavily funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, called the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. The Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists wrote a paper, a position paper, that clearly said that all that's needed for a doctor to diagnose COVID is a single cough and that You didn't need to have a positive test to arrive at a diagnosis, and that in Section 7B, um, they they declined to devise a simple methodology to make sure the same person couldn't be counted multiple times. So many of the case counts that we got we know are fraudulent. When you add on to that the PCR, that when PCR is above a cycle threshold of 28 – that it is likely a false positive. A person is is non symptomatic, and what we and this explains why the, the CDC and the state health departments and labs have refused to give that cycle number. Instead, when a person tests on PCR, it's either positive or it's negative, but they never give the actual number at which a person was deemed to be positive. If a person was below 28 and symptomatic, it's a safe assumption that yes, they were indeed infected by COVID. However, what about the millions and millions of cases that where their cycle number, where they were deemed positive, was above 28? When that number is above 28, the likelihood of false positivity can be as high as 91.2%. And when we see that it's a clear effort on their part to hyperinflate the case data to make the situation look like more than a, of an emergency than it really is. In fact, we've never used the number of cases to determine whether something is an emergency. We've always relied on hospitalization data, how is this impacting our hospitals, but more importantly, how is this impacting fatalities? How do we, you know, how do we get to the worst possible outcome? And what's really alarming when we look at it through that lens of, hey, we should look at this by how many people are dying, they'll very quickly point to 700,000, 800,000 deaths, but they won't explain two very important factors in, that, in those deaths, or I should say three important factors. The first important factor is we always count the number of deaths on an annual basis, January 1st, December 31st. The numbers that they're citing are a collection of over two years of data all right? That's not okay. I mean, I should say just under two years of data. On January 21st of this year, it'll be two years of data. But still, they're they're aggregating multiple years of data together to make the number look bigger than it is, because big numbers are scary. But when we look a little deeper in the numbers, we see that 75% of all deaths were over 65 years of age. 53% of deaths were at least at normal life expectancy. And then when you add on the third factor, which is 95%, this is per the CDC, 95% of all deaths had on average 4.0 comorbidities. What it paints is a picture of normalcy more than anything else. Over 75 with multiple comorbidities, that's when people die, when they come in contact with an infection. And that infection isn't what caused the death.
1: What about the young kids under 12, under 18? Isn't there a risk of dying from this disease or risk of surviving at 99.99%?
0: I mean, why are they vaccinated kids? Well, that's been another point of contention for us. We know when we analyzed the um, risk of benefit, uh, excuse me, the risk versus benefit analysis, we know that when you're under 18 years of age, There is a 16 times greater risk of injury than gain of benefit, and that's largely due to the recovery rate being 99.99%. A child under the age of 18, per the CDC's own data as of January 6th of this year, has a 1 in 6,725 chance of dying. That is far better than the flu that's far better than most infectious diseases that we don't lock down nations for, we don't spend trillions of dollars in response to, and so forth. We we did a comparative economic analysis on this. Annually, we spend from a federal level about $11 billion on flu response. But we, and for COVID, we've spent $1.7 trillion annually for something with virtually the same recovery rates when we look at this versus age stratification and for something that is really more a hallmark, Susan, of severe nutrient deficiency. I've been banging this drum since April of 2020. The biggest thing we saw in CDC's data when we went deep data diving was we found something called NHANES studies NHANES studies are nutritional uh, serologic surveys that let us know the state of the average American's nutrient availability and so therefore their ability to withstand infection. The CDC in 2016 knew firsthand that the... Um, vitamin D levels in Americans. Uh, vitamin D levels. Ninety-five. Excuse me. Sixty-five to ninety-five percent of Americans were deficient in vitamin D, a very key nutrient. With all this, we know from over two hundred peer-reviewed studies worldwide that when a person's vitamin D levels are above fifty nanograms per milliliter that their recovery rate is 99.9%. It's a virtual certainty regardless of age, regardless of pre-existing conditions, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of age. It doesn't matter. The recovery rate is virtually a guaranteed certainty of 99.9%. We know that when people have over 50 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D in their bloodstream, that they are... Far less likely to be hospitalized. In fact, only 2.7% of people that fall into that require hospitalization, and none of them die. The reason for that is vitamin D is such a key nutrient in the overall cascade of immunological events required to resolve the infection.
1: I would like so to I would like to jump yeah. on this. A uh, expert on vitamin Go D told me that the FDA told its staff that you can't say anything about vitamin D and if you don't say anything you'll get lucrative pharmacy jobs when you leave. So, I mean, that's, that's they were told they yep. couldn't discuss vitamin D. The the CEO of YouTube said she's going to censor everything on vitamin C and curcumin and doctors that are mm-hmm. successfully treating COVID they get their licenses threatened or even talking about it. What is going on? Oh, and by the way, on Naziism. nutrition, I've always felt nutrition was what was needed to build up our immunity system. But I did a film, uh, and three years ago, Congressman Adam Schiff, it was on nutrition, called The mm-hmm. Big Secret. Mm-hmm. Congressman Adam Schiff had it taking it off Amazon Prime. Uh, he didn't want people to know about nutrition. What is going on?
0: Well, that's that's willful misconduct right there. I mean, when, when you know, when, think about it like this. You're the CDC. You do the nutritional studies. You publish it. You know that 65 to 95 percent of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. You know that 37 to 46 percent of Americans are deficient in vitamin C. You know that 35 to 45 percent of Americans are deficient in vitamin A. You know this. And in the years leading up to SARS-CoV-2 being released from Wuhan Institute of Virology, you do nothing about that. That is an intentional act. You've been given funding from the American taxpayer to shore up known potential problems, and the biggest potential problem is is nutrient deficiency. If you're deficient in nutrients, your immune system can't function and it can't fight these uh, these infections, this uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection. So it's going. So your body's going to go into a heightened state of physiologic response as a com- as a compensation for what's not there. That compensation is a cytokine storm. And when you go into a cytokine storm, we know that's where the worst outcomes occur. But each of those cytokine storms is a clear identification of severe nutrient deficiencies. So the CDC knew Americans were deficient in key immunological nutrients and did nothing. Then when they start being alerted through the peer-reviewed literature that vitamin D looks to be an incredibly lucky panacea, they do nothing to educate Americans and issue guidance. If you can issue guidance on washing your hands, which was actually the best guidance they gave. If you can issue guidance on staying six feet apart, which had no randomized controlled trials, had no evidence to support it. If you can issue guidance on masking, which the CDC Europe confirmed at best reduced infective spread by a maximum of 1.2% in their study that was published in February of 2021. Yes, I read and read and read. If you can issue guidance on all those things, then you can issue guidance on vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin A. People were rushing to the stores to get toilet paper. I was banging the drum, get your nutrients. The toilet paper is fine, but that's not going to save you from SARS-CoV-2. The nutrients can. The nutrients can save lives. The earliest treatment you can do for yourself is to make sure your immune system is nutritionally primed prior to even getting infected. That's the earliest treatment you can do and then when you are primed, your symptoms will be lower, the recovery will be accelerated, you will help reduce the infective spread and you will develop antibodies and T cells will be working beautifully to make sure that you don't get reinfected and you become a part of the solution. See, what they're trying to advocate for is we created the problem. And now we want to create the solution, the solution being these experimental shots, these experimental shots that are failing to protect Americans in the millions. these experimental shots that are injuring Americans, and in the million at the very least, if you – follow the work that Tom Renz has done, if you follow the work that the Columbia University has done, you can actually multiply the numbers in VARES by anywhere from 5 to 20 times. So it is very reasonable and very safe to say that these products have failed Americans millions of times, and these products have injured Americans millions of times. And vitamin D, vitamin C, and vitamin A don't have that history. In fact, what's really safe and efficacious vitamin D, vitamin C, and vitamin A. And all of the peer-reviewed literature supports nutrition as the solution for us. Um, and to me, uh, Susan, I'm, I'm, on, I'm doing two things now. I'm going to be talking about willful misconduct in everything that I do because it's not good enough for us to say, yeah, the people that did this, they did it, but we're not gonna hold them accountable. No, people have lost their lives. People have lost their businesses. People have lost their houses. Children have committed suicide. Uh, Children have a drug overdose. We know drug overdoses rose in this country by over 30% um, uh, from 2020 to 2021. We know this, this is all published data, verifiable data. When we look at this, the, the enormity of this fraud we have to be able to say, look, if you lied about death certificates, if you lied about cases, if you lied about hospitalizations, if you're lying about vaccine efficacy in the clinical trials, and if you are uh, lying about now something we're about to publish on next week, um, variant analysis, the CDC is is committing fraud there as well, you know, and we can prove it when. When you're lying about all of these things, these are acts of willful misconduct. You know you are lying about it. But in doing so, you're creating an act of willful misconduct that must be held accountable. And that's why my team has been leading the charge, calling for grand jury investigations into all of this.
1: So are there vaccine-related injuries?
0: Absolutely there are. It is undeniable, even the CDC admits that, even Walensky and the people that begrudgingly don't want to admit it, admit it. It is undeniable. Ask Ernest Ramirez uh, and, and what happened to his son. Ask Valerie Scott what happened to her daughter. Ask, ask them about their stories about Ernesto Ramirez Jr. and, and Simone Scott. Those are two children, very, you know, very young, 19 and 16 respectively, took the experimental shot and died within days. And nobody is saying, fuck about it, they just have swept those stories under the rug because the uh, social media and the news media refuses to acknowledge the, the truth hiding in plain sight, which is these experimental products are not safe and they are not effective, but nutrition is.
1: Why are they doing this? I mean, why you know, why is CDC pushing this? I don't get it. I had a colleague that was in China during Wuhan. He's kind of stuck there. Okay, let's treat. Uh, covid patients uh the the dutch donated two tons of vitamin c and they were treating people with vitamin c and they had good Mm -hmm. luck that's another thing people can do to help themselves to build up their Mm immune system but why is the government doing this why are they stopping doctors from successfully treating
0: why Uh, you know it's such a great question and it, it 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 defies any sense of logic, compassion or ethics. We saw Dr. Cheng in the Wuhan epicenter put out a Yeah, I was talking about Richard February, Chang. Right? Yes. Yeah, that was one. i was, was talking about one. Richard Chang, yes. Yeah, Dr. Cheng, he put out he had 50 patients, 50 high-risk patients, severe, moderate to severe COVID symptomatology. He puts them on high-dose vitamin C, you know, a modified Myers cocktail something we use in naturopathic medicine quite a quite a bit. And all 50 recovered, and all 50 recovered three days faster than their counterparts in the control group who who had – and, and they, in the control group, they reported death. So he had a 100% success rate, accelerated recovery, which is going to save, of course, the country money because you don't have to spend money on hospitalizations, prolonged hospitalizations. And the treatment – guess what the treatment cost was per day for this? Dr. Richard Anderson, uh, 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 excuse me, Dr. Paul Anderson, who is the uh, uh, the naturopath of the year uh, for naturopathic medicine, he published a study on this showing that the cost was $24 a day to engage this therapy. Dr. And he also had that uh, journal uh, censored,
1: but I think they put it on since then. But it scared yeah. enough well, people to go out and buy a lot of down. vitamin C.
0: Right. I mean, listen. There is no real solution to this crisis that doesn't involve two key things. One, educating people on what they can do nutrition-wise. Number two, exposing the fraud. The solution to this, like I said earlier, this is a pandemic of the unhealthy, which means this is a pandemic of the severely nutrient deficient, and this is a pandemic of lies, a pandemic of fraud, And these are things that we can do a great deal about. Why, ultimately, the why, why are they doing this? We can speculate till the cows come home. But I don't know about you. I'd rather see a grand jury investigate this with their full subpoena powers, get all of the communications unredacted, and give those to the American people in transparency so that we can see who the real players are. I've read and worked with Dr. David Martin. He's doing some great work on this, I think. He's doing great work, Yes. He, he's been magnificent at this. And what, what do you see? If there's a three-headed monster here, and we know they, are, they have benefactors and things like that, Bill Gates is of the world. But we know there's a three-headed monster, Fauci, Barrick, and Dasick from the Echo Health Alliance. And it's not an accident that Dasick is somehow finds his way on the two committees used uh, by the British Medical Journal and by the World Health Organization to assess you know, whether or not this was lab origin or zoonotic. Of course, he knows it's lab origin. And what is he going to do? He's going to push everything towards it being zoonotic. Thankfully, that didn't fly with people in the world. But when are we going to hold these people accountable? This is a bioweapon that should have never been even developed, let alone released. And we see the fallout from it, and we're going to really just let the people who did it take their profits, take their money, and and run. Give me a break. That's not. Yeah, like, Desnick did that to a happen. memo.
1: I don't know when it was. To, or it had a speech, 2016, 17. I don't know, mm. but saying just create the profit, and people and the companies will go along
0: with it. I mean, what? And that's exactly. I mean, I remember that too. Yeah,
1: but I just that's exactly what but, they did. But, you know, now I think they're going to go into the fourth booster because guess what? Booster number three didn't mm-hmm. help with the Omicron. And viruses' natural progression is they get milder and more contagious. And that's exactly. going to I mean, Omicron can be the best gift, giving us uh, herd immunity. But the government isn't listening to any part of it. They, there's a lot of states and congressmen that really want to shut us down and put it in, in a totalitarian state. What the F?
0: Right okay. well these are people that here's here's what has to happen if we if we're going to have courage this is where we have to have courage we have to be willing to investigate financial conflicts of interest in these people because it is unconscionable to me that somebody like Fauci can still be in a position of influence after all of the crimes he's committed from years prior before covid was even a thing it's unconscionable to me that the the that Moderna is directly in a financial relationship with the NIAID, and that Fauci as the head of the NIAID is the person who is influencing the federal response and therefore what gets filtered down to the the governors who want to support the federal response. Thankfully, At least 27 governors said, no, we don't want to support the federal response, and we're not going to support the federal response. Thankfully, people have started asking questions, but it is undeniable at this point, and I'm a former Democrat. I'm forever independent now, but it is unconscionable to me and very clear and easy to see where is all of this push for control, mandates, passports occurring. It's occurring in Democratic states in the most populous democratic cities and they're saying they have the science they say they're trusting the cdc but how can you trust a federal agency that is violating federal laws and lying to americans straight up defrauding Americans? they do americans, not have
1: the science any
0: face.
1: they do not have the science any expert that offered to have a discussion or debate such as peter mccullough mm-hmm. the government has continually turned down any scientists. To have a discussion, science is supposed to be something we discuss, and we discuss different points of view exactly. and different studies. They shut any expert down, and then they demonize them.
0: Exactly, because this is the same thing that when you study history, um, and I'm very proudly a student of history. This is the same tactics that the Nazis used to take power in Nazi Germany pre World War II. They accused, and this is a very this is a very Key concept, Joseph Goebbels, their minister of propaganda, right? One of the top four within the—really, you could say he's the, he's the architect of the Nazi propaganda machine. He's definitely the architect of it, but that he's, a not, he's the architect of the entire Nazi ethos, is Joseph Goebbels. And he said very clearly, if you want to confuse the public and get them to be afraid, all you have to do is accuse your enemy of doing exactly what you're doing. And that's what the CDC and the the federal government is doing now. They're accusing good men like Peter McCullough. They're accusing good men like uh, Kevin Jenkins, uh, David Martin, of spreading misinformation because they have to hold the line on this lie. Because if they admit, which is crazy, they've started admitting that they've committed fraud. I mean, everybody's heard that there's a big difference from dying with and dying from, right? Then what the cdc has effectively done is admitted fraud but they can't admit it because they're in so deep susan this is these are crimes against humanity this this is people have to swing for this you you don't get to unleash a a molecular bioweapon on the world and and lead, that has led to this much chaos this much doom for the last 2 years and and then take a victory lap at the end of it, because you created the problem, and then so that you could profit from the solution. This is this has been attempted many times. Nothing at this scale, but this was attempted by Cleander in in uh, Rome uh, during the reign of Commodus. Cleander. Uh, withheld all the grain reserves from the people of Rome so that they would be nutrient deficient and plague would break out. And that's exactly what happened. He wanted the people to turn against Commodus so that they would uh, kill him and that Cleander could then release the grain stores and, and look like the hero and that they would accept it. It didn't turn out very well for Cleander. His body was never found once the people figured out What he was doing. But we're in that same situation right now. We have evil people who think it's their right to create a problem and then profit off that same problem because they don't respect the intelligence of the American taxpayer. They don't respect the intelligence of people to figure out what they're doing, see through it, and then they don't expect us and they don't respect us to hold them accountable. their wrongdoing as well. And we have to change that. This cannot be the new normal where they're able to pump out a man-made virus every couple of years and then pump out a vaccine in a couple months or what they want to call as a vaccine every couple of months and then profit off of the pandemic that they created. This is wrong in every possible way that something could be wrong. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history in my uh, and I think has, has now taken over the uh, dropping of bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, Why and the, is uh, the mainstream and the media Creed, supporting all this because they are all juiced in the media. Uh, the media are owned by six major by six entities, major entities six six persons, essentially. And so what, if the media, if the people, if the ownership of the media are in on this because they're all members or friends of the World Economic Forum and Bill and Linda Gates and uh, Foundation and, 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 those, and those type of major financial movers in the world, then there they stand to profit. And this is what we saw. You know, it, Do you remember when Dr. Scott Jensen, the uh, gentleman who's running for um, yeah. uh, governor in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, you remember I when he word. outed them and saying, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You're incentivizing the coding of, of COVID, right, and the use of ventilators, yeah. right? Well, he was eviscerated initially, but he held his ground. Uh, thankfully, our work that we published was able to help him a lot on this, and, and I'm really grateful that we were able to do that.
1: We're running uh, low on him. time. What do we tell these people who are so terrified that are drinking the Kool-Aid And saying, oh, get away from me, get away from me. What do we do to these really, for these really irrational people, what information can we give them so they can start percolating on various ideas?
0: Um, I'm not here to save anyone who's unwilling to save themselves, Um, Susan. And I don't mean that to be cold. I mean that to say if we spend our energy... On people who have drank the kool aid, we are going to be wasting our energy and our time. We have to focus on the root of the problem. The root of the problem is fraud and lack of education on nutrition. There are millions and hundreds of millions of people we can reach who want this information. We need to spend our time on the on and work with the willing and and come together and move forward. We don't have time to convince the people who are lost. They're going to have to they're just going to have to benefit from us helping them vicariously by ensuring freedom is forever and freedom is for all i'm I'm concerned that we're
1: about to lose our freedoms because if they can mandate something on us that's never been tested properly that's Mm -hmm. not approved by the fda and they could force things on us and dividing us against each other that you know it's almost like two war camps um i'm afraid of loss of liberties and uh passports that's going to be a Trojan horse for digitalizing us so they can monitor every
0: moment, like in China. Right, if, if we allow it, but that's the good thing. At least we see that there are enough states who have said we are not doing that and already have legislation enacted saying that that is never going to be what we do. You know, we have major problems in front of us, and if we get distracted trying to convince the people who are unconverted, or excuse me, the people who are, are, are lost, We are going to be disillusioned and exhausted because we're never going to be able to change someone's mind. The only person that can change someone's mind is the person who possesses that mind. Our job is to simply speak truth, continue to stay on top of this, and pursue justice. And that's what my team is focused on. We've
1: got one minute left. Any final closing remarks or your website so people can contact you, etc.?
0: Yeah, they can go to um, COVIDCon21, that's COVIDCon21.com and they can uh, go and read our information on the grand jury petition and sign it. We also have information under free resources on immune priming and early treatment using nutrition that we've seen work. We also have information on that page about post-inoculation injury and how to deal with it using fasting techniques, and it's something I'm going to be starting to teach on a lot now in the American public. So there's a lot you can do there, and if you want to take control of your health, you can check out EnergeticHealthInstitute.org. Come in and study with us, and we'll show you how to find the exit door for this. But our our job here is twofold. Work with the willing and ensure that the uh, corruption and the fraud is exposed and the people who are guilty of it are held accountable.
1: Well, I thank you. And I hope for the listeners that. You know, gives, so we just start thinking about what's going on. I mean, to me, the fact that they censored doctors who are successfully treating mm-hmm. COVID, that's a signal that they did not want any solution, that they didn't want people to get well. I mean, I don't, you know, so even that is something that should begin to open people's thoughts. So I want to thank you on this to give people information and give them places to go. We are in what I perceive as an emergency because I see that we're losing liberties. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on that they could try to force us to take uh, uh, something that's not approved, uh, not tested. I don't get it. And now they want the, probably the fourth one. I mean, with Omicron, um, I don't get it. But I mean, we need to you know share this information. You know, check. You know, discuss everything with your doctor. You know, follow his advice as well. And above all.